So if you were listening before to Mrs. Zerbel, you heard uh, summer is here, and which means children are at home, and that adds a little bit of a different dynamic, especially if you have a family with children at home, and they're all at home in the same house at the same time in the same living space, right? And parents, you know what I mean by that. So because I don't know about your house, but our house, our children are not always getting along. I'm sure your house is perfectly well behaved, but uh, in our house, so there's a little different dynamic, right? There's a different rhythm to life. And one of the rhythms that oftentimes comes during the summer is the rhythm of vacation. How many of you have vacations planned for this summer? Anyone have vacations planned? Yeah, that's most of us, right? Like we love our time, the time of rest, time to be refreshed, time to spend with family, time to get away, time to be with family. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today is what is family? In fact, to, ta- to start our time today, what I'd like for you to do is turn to the person next to you or the person around you or, or someone in your vicinity and tell them, if you were to define family, what is family? How would you define family? Go. Talk to the person next to you. How would you define family? When it comes to defining family in our world today, there can be a a complexity to it because families take so many different shapes, forms, sizes. That's why there's a complexity to answer this. There are families that are what most would consider a more traditional family, right? That's the two parents with children in the home, but, but there are also the single moms or single dads with children in the homes. There are the homes that uh, have a divorce in the midst of them. There are homes where it is now stepbrothers and stepsisters and stepmoms and stepdads. There are empty nesters. There are widows and widowers. There are singles who are in their 20s and 30s and 50s and 60s. Right? There are retirees and, and, and there are so many different shapes and forms to family. And so when I was thinking about this, what is the family? The first place I looked to besides scripture was, what does the dictionary say about what is a family? And even they have a really long list of what it means to be family. And these are just some of it, right? And so you see the basic ones at the beginning, a group of individuals, group of person, group of people. Then you get to the scientific one, which is the things, the plants, the animals, like family, genus, species. And, and then I love number six, right? The crime syndicate mafia. Anyone use that when you were explaining it to the person next to you? Anyone say, yeah, that's what a family is, right? It's, no, no, right? I hear this in sports teams. You ever hear that where sports teams will talk about their journey through the season and they'll say, well, we just rallied together. We were like a family. My four soccer playing children and I, we were driving the other day to their beach soccer practice. And as we were driving there along the road, we actually passed by where the police car was overturned. 
We were actually stuck in that and we drove past that and it must have been just minutes after it happened because uh, there were still police cars racing to the scene and ambulances and fire trucks racing to the scene. And, and as we were driving, my children reminded me, they said, you know what, in school, mom and dad, uh, or dad, in school, we were told that whenever there's an accident, we should always pray for them. And so we prayed for them. And then they said, is, is everybody racing towards the scene of the accident? Is everybody coming towards the scene of the accident? Is that because they're like family? That those police officers said, yeah, it very much is because they're like family. Family is very central to us today. I was listening to a preacher named Kevin DeYoung. Kevin DeYoung says, oftentimes when we view the family, we view the family in one of two ways. We either see a family and our family as a straitjacket, or we see the family as central to our existence. And neither of them are a biblical sense of what the family is, but both of them have implications. If you see your family as a straitjacket, that's where you say, my family is holding me back from getting everything I want. So if you're a parent, sometimes you may have said this to your children. Do you know how much money we would have had to go on vacation if we didn't have you children? Do you know what kind of cars we could be driving if we didn't put you through college? Right? Like, like... So, but in a sense, if you view your family as a straitjacket, you're saying you're holding me back from getting what I want. But if you say the, the family is central to me, then what you're saying is everything I want, I can get through the family. That all my needs, all my desires, all of that can be fulfilled in my family. Neither of those we're going to see is the biblical view that God wants us to have of the family. So today we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a part of the family, especially what does it mean to be a part of the family of God. Because we talk about that a lot in church, right? Like, we're the family of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a a good, good father. We're going to sing that at the end. We have a good, good father. But what does that mean? Like, what does this, like, code language, church language actually mean? What are the implications of that? We're going to actually see that in our text. So I'd love for you to open up your Bibles to Mark, Mark chapter 3. If you didn't bring your Bible from home, we always encourage you, bring your Bible from home so you can highlight or write it or market it. But if you didn't, you can grab the Bible in front of you. Mark chapter 3, you will find that. On page 838 in the Pew Bible in front of you, uh, if you brought an iPad or an iPhone, go ahead and, and open that up as long as you promise not to be checking Facebook or answering text messages. But uh, Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 31. Jesus at this time has just come onto the scene. He is just starting to teach and preach and, and speak in parables and heal people and reveal who he is. And in the midst of this, we see his family come to him. Verse 31. And his, Jesus' mother and his brothers came. And standing outside, they sent to Jesus and called him. And a crowd was sitting around Jesus and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside and they are seeking you. It was really interesting the posture that his family takes towards him during this time of his ministry. Now, we know Jesus had a family. In Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it actually speaks to who his family is. It says this in Mark 6, verse 3. Is not this, the people talking about Jesus, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, or, or actually in the Greek it's Joseph, and Judas and Simon are not his sisters here with us also? So we know Jesus had brothers and sisters, he had a mother and he had a father, and so here in the midst of this, his family comes to him, they they come to where he is teaching, but they stay on the outside. They don't enter into the house. 
And there is a reason why they don't do this, because they're not here necessarily to support Jesus. They're not here as his cheering section. They're actually here on the outside, pretty much ready to say to Jesus, Jesus, come out here. You need to knock this off. You need to stop doing what you're doing. How how do we know that? We know it because if you look back a few sections to underneath the heading, the 12 apostles, which is usually the heading that is Mark 3, verse 13, where Jesus gathers the 12 apostles, he gathers uh, the crowd and names 12 of them to be his apostles. And then verse 20 and 21, it says, then Jesus went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when Jesus's family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying, he is out of his mind. That's how his family viewed Jesus at this time. See, Jesus, you're out of your mind. What are you doing? Jesus, you're embarrassing us. I'm sure you've never heard that in your family where your children have ever told you, Mom, Dad, you are embarrassing. But they said to Jesus, Jesus, you're embarrassing us. Like, you need to knock it off. Stop it. This is not what we do. Like, we're a carpenter family. And we're a family that isn't well known. We kind of stay out of the limelight. Nobody talks about us or, or, or praises our name. So Jesus, that's who we are. And in that time and in that culture, that would have been very normal. You you basically live according to your family, and your family gave you your identity and your standing. So if you were born into a carpenter family, guess what you would become? Carpenter. If you were born into a fisherman family, you would become a fisherman. If you right, like so so that was your lot in life. If he gave you your identity and your standing. And so they come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, you know, this is not what you should be doing. And in fact, it says in verses 20 and 21, they were actually going to seize him. They were going to grab him and almost forcibly cause him to stop. And so his mother and his brothers show up and they say, say, knock it off. You shouldn't do this. This was not the, the only time this would happen. If you read in Luke chapter 4, in Luke 4, uh, Jesus is, goes into the temple, and as was the custom, he takes out the scrolls, he takes out the scriptures, and he opens up to the place where they're reading from, and he reads the scriptures, and he says, today this is fulfilled in your midst, uh, and at first they laud him and they celebrate him. He keeps on teaching, and then they get upset with what he's saying, so that they drive him out of town to a cliff, and they're ready to throw him off the cliff to kill him, and it says Jesus just walks out in their midst. His family doesn't accept right now in the midst of his teaching what he's doing. So they say, Jesus, your mother and your brothers have shown up. And Jesus continues and it says this in verse 33. And Jesus answered them and says, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Now this would have been extremely shocking They would have expected Jesus to maybe say, okay, you're right, I'm going to take a time out, let's just pause the teaching, I need to go out, talk to my family, and then maybe I'll come back in. But instead, Jesus asks a question, he says, okay, well, but who really are my mother and my brothers? And then he stops, and he looks around at everybody who is waiting on what he is about to say next, and he says, actually, everybody here, these are my mother and my brothers, and in some texts it says, and my sisters. He says the family of God is not a family based on blood and lineage and a family tree. He is going to teach us that the family of God is something that is brought not by law, but by love. 
Not by genealogy, but by grace. By grace, we are brought into a family of God. Not by our own working, not by what we do, not by our own standing and our own identity and our family name, but by the name that is put upon us in the waters of baptism, by God's grace, we are brought into the family of God. And some people would hear this and say to Jesus, Jesus, what do you mean? Who are your mother and your brothers? Don't we put family first? Shouldn't we live in a family first type of way? And Jesus would say, yes, but let's define family first. It's family first, but let's define family first. And that's what Jesus does. So Jesus defines the family and he says this, for whoever does the will of God, this is my mother and my sister and my brothers. These are the people who are called to be a part of the family of God. Those who do the will of God. Now there's a word that relates to this idea of doing the will of God that we oftentimes only like when it is in reference to what people do for us and not what we have to do for others. And that's the word obey. We do not like the word obedience unless it's our children who are obeying us, right? Because the word obedience means that we have to humble ourselves underneath somebody else. The word obedience means that we have to listen and do what somebody else tells us. The word obedience means that we have to put ourselves second and somebody else first. And so we don't like that word obedience unless we are telling somebody else, well, you need to obey what I'm telling you to do. And Jesus says here, if you want to be a part of the family of God, you need to be obedient to what it means to be part of the family of God. Now, if you're seeing this and listening to this and going, well, what is he talking about? Because the people in the text, the only thing they're doing is they're sitting and listening. They're like, they're not doing anything. They're just sitting around. How is that doing the will of God? We actually see a definition of what this means to do the will of God in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, we actually hear the very same story, the same exact story, and, and Luke says it this way. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And Jesus was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. That's what it means to be a part of the family of God. That there are two things that the family of God are called to do if they are the part of the family of God. And the two things are to hear the word of God and do it. It means to receive from God his gifts in his word, in what he has to say to us. We looked at this in the book of Ephesians. In fact, the book of Ephesians reflects these words very closely when we talked about how we are called to be a family that is rooted in Christ and reaching in love, to be rooted, to be hearing the word of God. That is the first part of what it means to do the will of God. To do the will of God means just, first of all, to receive God's grace, to receive his very body and blood, to be baptized, to hear God's word, to spend time in fellowship, to be rooted in Christ. But then the second part is then to go out and, in obedience, do what God calls us to do. See, what we're seeing here, we see throughout the scriptures is this, is to be a part of the family means to play a part in the family. In your family, in most families, everybody has a role and a responsibility, right? So you're either a father or a mother, you're a son or a daughter, you're a husband or a wife, you're a worker, you're a student, you have a role, and then you have responsibilities, 
So, so you're supposed to take the trash out and, and you're supposed to do the laundry and you're supposed to do the dishes and, and you're supposed to, right? Like, like there's different responsibilities and some of us are much better at doing those than others of us, right? But we still have roles and responsibilities even if we're good or bad at that, right? There's roles and responsibilities. And the kingdom of God is the same way. You and I, we all have roles and responsibilities in the kingdom of God because we are a part of the family business, We are about the work of the family. And the way that that happens is actually shown to us when we remember Ephesians chapter 4, that God gave pastors and teachers and DCEs and deaconesses and principals and worship directors and all of these roles for the sake of equipping the saints for the works of ministry. That we all have roles and responsibilities. And so if we call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ, to be a part of the family means that we all play a part in the family. We all have a role and a responsibility within the family. Now the way that that starts is by hearing the word of God. And that starts in the waters of baptism. We were reminded of that in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus commands his disciples and says, Therefore go and make disciples or go and make a family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, followers of Jesus, go and make that family by baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's receiving God's grace. That's doing his will by the waters of baptism. But he doesn't stop there. He goes, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. There's that obey word, right? He says it's by being baptized, but then teach them to obey. Teach them to gather together as the family of God. Teach them to serve. Teach them to to be a part of the fellowship. Teach them to receive God's gifts. Teach them to obey. Now, when we talk about being the family of God, this is much more than what we in many churches understand traditionally as membership in a church. I love that, that idea of membership, right? Because people will talk about that, like, I'm a member of Grace, or I'm a member of St. Paul, or I'm a member of Emmanuel, or I'm a member of... And many times when they talk about that, they really just mean, like, my name is on the rolls of that church. Like, I have my name in the book, right? Like, I'm a card-carrying member of Grace Lutheran Church. So when I get to the pearly gate someday, I can take out my card, hand it to St. Paul, and go, oh, you're a member of Grace? Come on in! Right? Like... Do you know that, that in the Bible that makes no sense at all? Like Paul would be like, what are you even talking about? Like that's not what it means to be a part of the family of God. Like you just have your name on some roles and some membership list. It's not part of the family of God. There's so much more to it than that. It doesn't just mean you show up every once in a while when you feel like it and just so that you can keep your name on the list, right? I mean, for instance... When people say, I am a regular member of a church, do you know what regular member of a church means in worshiping attendance today? They just came out with these statistics. It means that you show up at church once out of every five to six weeks. If I show up at church once every five to six weeks, then I I worship regularly. Can I tell you, that is wrong. That makes no sense in the terms of the Bible. It just doesn't. In fact, do you know what makes sense in the Bible when it comes to regular member of the church? They gather together daily. That made sense. So like we worship weekly, they worshiped daily, and some of us worship every six weeks. God calls us to worship regularly. God calls us to gather regularly. God calls us to hear God's word and to live it out consistently, weekly, daily, in our very lives. 
And it's easy to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's easy to be a part of the family of God when it's convenient, when it's easy, when it aligns with my will, when God says the things that I want to hear him say, when it's advantageous for where I want to go in my life, and when it doesn't impinge on the things that I want to accomplish, it is easy. But that's not what would make sense to Paul. In fact, the words that would make sense to Paul when it comes to being a part of the family and part of the kingdom of God are these words. I want you to listen to these words and think to yourself, are these the words that make sense to me? Are these the words that reflect to me what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God? Paul would use words such as committed, connected, dedicated, generous, discipled, responsible, responsibility, relationship, sacrifice. Is that what it means for you to be a part of the family of God? Because that's what it would mean in the scripture to be a part of the family of God. It is a family who is rooted in the word of God, rooted in Christ, hearing God's word, so that in hearing God's word, we might go out and do the will of God. But what does that mean? What does it even mean to do the will of God? Well, I want to show you what that means in Scripture because we have passages that reveal to us what it means to actually do the will of God. 1 John 2, 17 says this, The world is passing away with all of its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So everything else, all of your other values, all of your other priorities, all of the other things that you accumulate in your life, all of that's going to go away. But the things that come out of the will of God, those last forever. John 6, he goes on and says, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works or to be doing the will of God? Jesus answered, This is the will of God, that you believe in him who sent me. Galatians 1.4 Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. So notice what that will of God means first. It means, first of all, that we believe in Jesus Christ and salvation is ours. That's the will of God. But then the second part of that is this. 1 Peter chapter 2. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. By doing good. By living it out. 1 Thessalonians talks about it in a little more detail. Here's what Paul says in Thessalonians about doing the will of God. He says, be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, notice the family language, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Do not repay evil with evil, but seek to do good to one another and everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. That's what it means to be a part of the family. That's what it means to do the will of God. That's what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. And when we understand this in this way, when we understand that it means to be a part of a family, means to play a part of a family, it will change our families. So that we see our families as families who live on mission in ministry together. In fact, this is one of my favorite images in the church. Uh, I love Servant Saturdays where I see families gather together and then together they go out and serve. And then I see the pictures of them serving together because they are families on mission and ministry together. I love coming into church and seeing usher teams that are filled with families that are ushering together. In fact, if you you would like that to be your family, we can sign you up to help usher as a family. I love that image because you get to do it 
together, a family that is living on mission in ministry together. I also love when, when I'm serving communion and uh, you bring your children forward and as mom or dad who's holding their child reaches for the individual cup to take it, what, is, what, do you, what does your child do? They're also reaching for it and you're like, stop, don't take it, don't touch it, right? Like, like, but why are they reaching for it? Because mom's reaching for it. Because dad's reaching for it. Because they are learning what it means to be a part of the family of God because they're watching their mom or dad who is a part of the family of God. What a beautiful picture that is. That is the picture that Jesus is painting right here for us. That you and I are called to be a part of the family of God, which means that we need to exchange the kingdom of me priorities for the kingdom of God priorities. We need to exchange the things that we want for our life for the things that God wants for our life. The the things that distract us from being in worship. And this is hard. It's hard when there's weekend soccer. It's hard when our cabin up north calls to us every weekend over the summer. It's hard when we want to be on the lake fishing on a Sunday morning. It is hard when we want to go on vacation. It's hard when we feel tired and we don't want to serve. But that's what it means to be a part of the family. To be a part of the family means to play a part in the family. To be a family that is on mission, in ministry, together. We all play a part for the sake of the kingdom of God. See, what Jesus reminds us of this, family is not to be at the center of our lives, but Christ is to be at the center of our family. That's what a family looks like. It's not a family that revolves around itself but a family that revolves around Jesus Christ and all that it wants and all that he wants for us. Family is not the center of our lives, but Christ is the center of our families so that we as the family of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, together can hear God's word and we can live it out for the sake of the family of God. That's what it means to be a family. And you and I, we, when we are doing that, we are family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, to receive your gifts, to be a part of the family of God. So we pray that you would help us to put the priorities of the kingdom of God, the priorities of of the family of God, above the priorities of the kingdom of me, and above the priorities uh, that we would have for our family. May family not be at the center of our lives, but may Christ be at the center of our families so that our families may be defined by being a family that is on mission in ministry together for the sake of the building of the kingdom and for the work that you have for us as we all play a part in it. May we be a family, a family that is rooted in Christ and reaching in love, on mission, in ministry together. In Jesus' name, amen.